Hello, hello, and welcome to Review 2. This is a very special episode. It's the fourth anniversary of the podcast, and it's also our second volume of Ask Us Anything. We asked for your questions on Twitter, and you responded quite well. I, I got more response than I expected, really, Johnny. What mm. about you? In droves. We got a very decent amount of questions, and the important thing is not the quantity but the quality and the quality was high i'm not sure i've thought about them in as much detail as i would like to have no but I, I, I've got I mean some things to say yeah i've not had enough time to really consider because there's been a lot of stuff to go back and and re-listen to i had to do the whole of no line on the horizon um no had mm. to and uh listening to things that we said three four years ago and i have no idea like uh going back listening to the 80s to 90s episode uh, yep. with the b-sides i had forgotten we'd even done that really so anything i said on that it was a complete surprise to even me at this point whenever i've listened back to stuff it always sort of depresses me how boringly predictable i am with my opinions and i just seem to recycle them all the time however i did listen it's to your all monotonous voice that gets me i don't know what you're talking about tyler <laughs> oh don't you don't you um no the we're, uh, we're from the north we're, we're coming from a we're, today it's a very very hot uk isn't it yeah, and we're, we're, we're already talking about the weather, again. are we? Yeah, we're, well, we're both in lockdown again, isn't it? Yeah. So, it's um, we'll try and power on, um, but yeah, go on, Johnny. What were you saying? Well, I did li- re-listen to all of Enloth again because we were asked um to reconsider our opinions on that. So we'll keep that as a little teaser that'll be coming up at some point later in the episode. Will Tyler and I have completely done a you know a, a three sixty or a one eighty <laughs> on um? on Enlov, I guess the 360 would be right back where we started. And we've got a lot of questions to do with reconsidering our opinions about certain things. Have we been a bit too cruel and dismissive of some ones? Um, and have we, have we softened on any other tracks and also questions about other artists and other things that we've been enjoying, which I guess feeds into what we've been doing in terms of Tummel. Yeah. Um, it's been quite a journey over the last four years. It's, it seems mm. a lot longer than, than four years in, in terms of, you know, periods of my life. I feel like I've gone through quite a, a lot of different things. And mm. then I've always had this this constant stream of review too uh, going through it, which is really interesting. And it's also changed in so many different ways. A lot of people who do podcasts do them, you know, for over a long time, do them in a particular studio that they rent out and they get familiar or they always go through the same procedure. We've done this podcast in so many different locations now. It began, well, exclusively as a me and you getting a little bit tipsy and just banging on about you two. And one day I thought, <laughs> you know what, I'll record this on my webcam as well. Yeah. So, I mean, and that was, I mean, we're talking what, maybe 10 years ago, something like that, a long, long yeah. time ago. Yeah. Then it moved to your house then, or the basement of your house, which used to be an old police dungeon which was very interesting very derelict and very, but I a think great it was studio. the cells it wasn't a dungeon well it was, I mean, it, it was the old police dungeon. cells yeah yeah um, um so that that was a cool little environment to record a podcast well but we have cool. we've we've i mean when i think about where we've recorded Twi- uh, twickenham always comes you know to mind that was a fun and one. Ju- just how much fun that day was um and a balmy summer's day like today uh meeting a lot of uh over U2 fans and basically shoving a phone in the, the face and going, so how long have you liked U2? And just mm-hmm. the response we got from from them on the day and the, that episode in particular is still one of my favourite memories of, of this whole thing. 
We've recorded at your current house. Um, we've recorded at my current house. We've recorded yep. remotely, as we're doing now, um, because of the reimposition of lockdown measures. So in case anyone was worried about the... Actually, that's a good point. In case anyone was worried about the last episode, the Million Dollar Hotel one, which will be... It'll probably have come out by now, or it'll be soon, whatever. Um, we did record that together, and that was recorded when this new lockdown in the North hadn't been reintroduced. Blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. We also had, um, obviously, the live Twickenham episode. We had, what was the other live one that we did? That was, that was Manchester. Oh, yeah, Manchester. That was good as well. And, and I've got a phone full of recordings from New York, which we've never used. So maybe we'll do that one day. If you want to put some effort in and actually, you know, do some stitching together your own episode, then be my guest. <laughs> and also, when we went to go and interview... Review to uh, sorry <laughs> when we went to go and interview U two baby. Let's make sure we get that right. The fantastic U yeah. two tribute band. Where was that? I can't remember. It was it was a pub somewhere. That was in Stockport. Wow, right down the road, and I've forgotten already where it was. Yeah, and um, you know during this we we also got invited to go up and talk to December, um, roughly about this time last year, mm. uh, and that that was uh, you know a nice trip to to Glasgow. Uh, yeah, and, uh, lovely to talk to them. Yeah, I'm not sure what's happening with that recording, but I'll try and find out. Um, but yeah, that was, yeah. a, you know, a really good in- intro, uh, um, really good interview, and just great to get to know December. Uh, I know they've got an, a, they're recording a new album at the minute, and I, I really am looking forward to that. Um, also great just to hear them me... play live. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd be great to see any, it'd be great to see anybody play live right now, <laughs> <laughs> if the circumstances were a little bit different. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's amazing how many people we, we we're now in contact with all around the world, and I, I sh- I'm sure as we go through these questions, we're gonna um, talk talk about the various places where people are from, and it's it it keeps it keeps on baffling me when I look at the the stats and where people are listening, and I, and I can't pronounce some some names. I don't know where they are on a map. I couldn't point to them. Um, mm. that, that's kind of mind blowing to me always. I also feel like. With podcasting, it's such an intimate medium. It's such a strange thing, and you can see why it's exploded so much over recent years, and probably why people are really enjoying it in lockdown, because you can have a relationship with someone. Although it does, it does obviously feel very one-sided, but it feels incredibly close and intimate to have someone speaking directly into your ears. Particularly if you're like me and you wear headphones all the time when you're doing, you know, even if I've got two yeah. minutes of washing up to do. I'll be sticking my headphones on. I'll be listening to Alan Buxton or an old podcast or something like that. And you do feel like you've got a relationship with those people. Obviously, they have no idea who who you are or anything. So that's why I really like it when we get an email or a DM on Twitter. Just to, it just sort of, you you know people are listening because obviously the the stats are going up and up and up. Um, But it's nice to have that human contact and feel like you're not just literally putting out something that's a, a little bit of a silly vanity hobby project for yourself, you know, that, well, who actually cares about this? Yeah, I I mean, I, I think I said that on the very first episode, it's about connecting up with other fans, and I think it's it's only added to my YouTube fandom, it's it's not just about me now, it's like this this big group feeling, which I, I really like, maybe, maybe a bit partisanship. Yeah, and it, it's, it is weird to feel like we were fans for so long, and I mean, I've I've never been a member of U2.com because I'm a cheapskate. 
and <laughs> I've never really delved into forums and things like that. So for a while, this was just almost mine and yours and Vinny's and maybe a couple of other people's little sort of thing around us that we felt yeah. very, very deep and very, very invested in. And then the as amount, soon the, as you... Go on, sorry. Uh, the amount of people, though, that have had you know such similar uh, experiences to us Mm. And then they, you know, they, they, and they tell us that they listen, they listen to it, and it reminds them of the time they went to the Zoo TV tour with all, you know, with the with, with their friends, and um, it just it just shows that you two have provided this this similar growing up experience for two or three generations now. Mm. I was just in it, it, when you were saying that, I was also just thinking back to just some of the cringeworthy moments on the podcast. I, I was literally going into my own little spiral of like. I was thinking back to the first episode and just the little skits that we used to try and do, and just some 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 of this podcast has been ropey old crap, and I'm very happy that lots of people have persisted and carried on listening to us despite <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a it's been a struggle for everyone involved, I think. And also just how quickly we got through some of the early albums and didn't really say very much, and that's yeah. my biggest regret. Yeah, it's it's kind of. It's kind of pathetic how um, how quickly we went through some of them, but anyway, you know, I, I guess we were doing something right, and we've we've tried to hone it down a little bit, and we should probably get on to people's questions, unless there's any other order of business, Tyler. Um, uh, no, I don't think so. No, we're all good to go into it. There's no chart to do or anything like that. Oh, good. Don't need to put in the um, put in the music or anything like that, which is good. means l- less editing time for me. Okay, so our first question is from Bernard on Twitter, and he said, now that both films are out there, I plus E or E plus I tour? So which one do we prefer? Do we prefer the Innocence and Experience or the Experience and Innocence? What do you think, Tyler? Right, so I feel like the narrative may be better in Innocence. You're, you're literally um, just stealing what Bernard said here. He's he's got a supplementary thing which I'm going to bring up. No, I, I think I think it's a it's a better show and a better narrative. I can see Bernard's question, but he's also um, put he's also said I think the narrative is better and the whole stage was new and innovative and I think the screen was better used in 2015. Um, I, I don't know. I I think I, I'm still really in love with both of them, but. In a strange way, I don't see it as one period of U2's career. I see it as two periods. Mm. Well, because um, it, it felt, it still felt distant enough, and and maybe it's only connected by name. Nah, I see. I was going to say, I I think this does. I think there's something very cyclical about it, and particularly how you know they do the light bulb going back into the house. Yeah, and I mean, I I, I personally, I mean, my quick answer is that I I prefer Innocence. And I broadly agree with what Bernard's saying here. I think the, the there was a better narrative. I think the whole stage was just so exciting. And I thought it was such a good mix of the innovation that you get from something like Potmar or a zoo t- or a zoo TV. But just it, it was like they took the best moments of let's do something innovative that's really exciting and new. And anyone, even if you don't like you two, could look at that and go, that's impressive. But also they didn't, they had the, the modesty and the subtlety of maybe an elevation tour. You know, they, it was, it, would, it didn't feel like it was over the top. Yeah. But with, with experience, I feel like there was a, a real focus on the, the songs and how they played the songs. And I'm thinking about like the, how different New Year's Day sounded. There were some great individual versions, I would say. Also, Acrobat was a 
well, it could have been a massive highlight if the if the crowd had, had actually known what song it was. Um, but I, I think, think if you ask, if I put, if I put no thought into it, I would say I prefer Innocence. I but definitely more, prefer Innocence. The more I think about it, Experience has got a, a lot going for it as well. Mm. Um, I, I I'm loving the 4K version that that's uh, streaming on YouTube.com if you're a subscriber. I, I just think it's absolutely phenomenal as a as a DVD or you know as a video package. Mm. Um, but going to them, I definitely had more fun with the experience tour. Also, I mean, in a sense, the DVD in Paris is freighted by the attacks that had happened and the defiance of music and solidarity in that time. So there is that that sort of is a dimension to it which no one could have predicted. Yeah, which does add to it. Although, it's an unfortunate truth that that you know sometimes will make for a more memorable show because of how emotional it is. Yeah, and think of U2's some of U2's biggest and best highlights live previously. They have been tied to moments of political and um, you know unrest or religious unrest or or Super incidents. Bowl two thousand and two, for example. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's not that they're a, a morbid band who are focused on that. It's just that they are good at turning negative negativity into something positive and then reinforcing it with the music and really bringing everyone together um yeah. whereas experience it's more of a fun show you know and and also blackout has got to be one of my absolute favorite live openings it's so clever how much has our as much as has that song changed since we first heard it yeah i mean a, a lot it, of it, my it has been it's taken on this whole new new thing for me so much so that you can you can ignore the zach jack mac you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, can, I can, I can look past that now. It's fun to sing along to. <laughs> it's stupid and it's obnoxious and it's a dumb rock, rock song, but it's fantastic. It sounds great. I think that song is trying to have its cake and eat it, really, though, because it's it is a dumb rock song in a lot of ways. As in, it's got very, you know, the main riff, the boom, 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 boom. That is that is kind of dumb. Yeah, but four guys in the late fifties writing that song. I, mm. I want I want to be that person. True, but it's but it's, I think they're having the cake and eating it because they're also trying to make a comment about Trumpism and things like that as well mm. at the same time. So, well, I mean that was a great question. Uh, we'll move on then to uh, you two then and now, Neil. And he's just got some general comments. He said his good memories of the of the podcast have been chuckling along with our quote unquote bants. I'm not sure how how sick our bants is, but it's got. Yeah, his I, head I on don't. It. I don't. People. People. A couple of people have mentioned the the banter, but. I don't know. I don't know what people find funny about this, um, and it's probably not what I think it is. No, maybe not. I mean, there's there's many points where I feel like we've tried to do bants and it's and it's flailed and fumbled and died. But there must be something. Yeah, yeah. We and people like it when you make me angry. That's it. That's, that's is that is that funny when I'm yeah you I know think get, so. getting high blood pressure. I think that's why. Um, why Enloth was was a fun episode to record because you got so irate in different parts. Excuse I always me while I open a beer. Well, yeah, I, I I always know when you've gotten a little bit mad though when I've had to when I'm doing the mastering of the episode and I have to deamplify your voice because you've because you popped the microphone <laughs> a bit. Um, okay, so so you're saying yeah, good long. Uh, he's saying that good memories are chuckling along with our bands while stuck in traffic on the M6. And bad memories, your cruel dismissal of trash trampoline in the party girl. I feel your review missed the character and humour of that gloriously wonky tune. Boo. Keep up the good work. Um, I think that's a, a good Thanks, question. Thanks, Neil, I, for that, by the way. 
yeah, I think we did savage that. And don't worry, we will get on to your other question that we missed last time, Neil. We won't, we won't miss it for a second time. Um, I think we were we savaged trash trampling the party girl. Not I disagree. Well, the late, well, just let me make this really clear. I think what we did was we savaged that, but not party girl, the song that was on Under a Blood Red Sky, because I think we were talking about the original recording. You know, the very early recording. Yeah, yeah, Trash Trampling the Party Girl. Two yeah. different tracks, Johnny. Yes, but yeah, good. But I'm just making sure that people appreciate the difference because it is a subtle one. Um, and I stand by the fact that, that um, it's a fantastic song recorded badly. Or at least Bono's recorded badly. You see, I don't think we trashed it that much. I think we gave it a lot of credence for, for what it was. And I think a lot of people would have listened to that and gone, what the hell is this? Why is this on here? Particularly if um, you're used to the well-produced well-oiled um often in later tracks maybe digitally altered slightly voice of bono yeah i mean re-listening to it i was thinking maybe it's maybe there's a joke we missed um but i still think it's fun to listen to and i think that maybe now that i'm older then it it, it has more more of a charm for me because they they were so they would have been so young when they recorded that it's got to be 79 80 around that time hmm and I think once you once you get used to one particular version of the song, another one always sounds strange. So I was really used to the version on Under a Blood Red Sky, but then just and I knew every little bit of that, every little improvisation, all that kind of stuff. And I love the solo as well. And it is gloriously wonky that solo, and it's an it's an anti solo, isn't it? Um, but then when I heard that original version, I just thought, oh my god, Bono can't sing at all. <laughs> and I, I very rarely think that. I I like it. It's it's fun, and I and I want to go and listen to it again later. And I've, I I only listened to it about half an hour ago. Um, but but yeah. Um, I I think it's. I'm sorry if you thought we we trashed it, Neil. But I, I thought we gave it a good airing, <laughs> considering it it was on a best of. It's um and that 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 the the B sides on that disc of B sides wasn't full to the brim with classics so creating more controversy <laughs> it wasn't it, and that's always surprised me because that's that's one of youtube's best-selling cds isn't it mm-hmm. every, every I'm, i i go to like people's houses and it's like it's one of those cds that's always on on the shelf or, or used to be when people displayed cds yeah although i think one cd of that double disc set has got a lot more dust on it than the other yes yeah certainly well, I, I've got both copies, um, so I, I never play the, the version, the non-B-side version, strangely. Um, so Neil did ask us a question all the way back in March, um, and he's been pining for this answer. Uh, if a dead artist was to come back from the grave specifically to make an album with you 2 who would you nominate? Well, what's your answer to that one first? Um... And how far can we go back? I mean, could we do Johann Sebastian Bach? Well, I, I suppose we can. I mean, if it, 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 it's it confusing. Have, you know, yeah, if we could bring a dead... It's got to be a dead artist, doesn't it? You'd have to spend time as well explaining what a studio is to uh, Johann Sebastian Bach. And, uh, you know, this is an amplifier. Well, I, I was uh, a little hungover yesterday and I put a Slide Away by Michael Hutchins featuring Bono on. 
mm-hmm. and um, I, I got very sad and emotional just because of the hango the haze of the hangover, and uh, you know the, the subject matter in the song. Uh, so Michael Hutchins, I'd love to see what Michael Hutchins would be doing if he was alive now. That's a good one. I think um, it, it's it's kind of predictable, but I think I would just really like Bono and uh, Joe Strummer to do something together. I think a collaboration between those two would be would be fantastic, and I know that Bono is was such a massive fan. We covered this on the Clash episode, and I think that actually would work together. I love the Ramones as well, but I can't see Bono and Joey's voice gelling particularly well. Even though I love that version of I Remember You that they did, I just I can't see the styles gelling that well. We might end up with another, you know green day-ish type thing which which wasn't the best collaboration ever maybe we'll talk about that later on a little bit yeah i mean anytime i want to see you two uh collaborate with the undead i just go back and watch the you two and mick jagger video from the hall of fame <laughs> seen an old 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 uh, zombie rocking out and singing <laughs> stuck in a moment maybe john lennon what about john lennon very interesting. I mean, it would be better than the the guy who did John Lennon in the Million Dollar Million Dollar Hotel for sure. Um, I don't think people have heard that episode yet. I think we're we're going to bring that out next week now. It's a little teaser for them though. Um, yeah, and they can obviously go and if they if they've got a couple of hours to waste, they can go and watch that film. I don't know if the, if the egos would would bash against each other. Although I did rewatch recently that that little clip of Bono doing I Am the Walrus. Uh, on youtube and thought he did a surprisingly good job i remember that I, I, when i think of that clip i remember his embarrassing mustache rather than the actual quality of the singing but the singing is actually very good so yeah that'd be interesting definitely yeah um i, I mean there's there's probably thousands and thousands of people we, we could possibly choose um uh, for me it's always going to rest on uh the the people that the artists that passed away young and you just you, you see how great they were when they were tw- in their 20s or 30s and you just wonder you know if the, if they'd have had the same amount of time as a David Bowie or someone where would the career have gone that, that's something that I find myself asking a lot about people like Freddie Mercury for example um but, but yeah um there are there are was, there must be so a... many great answers to that question and maybe I'm just just drawing a blank because at the moment it's really Joe Strum and the Clash would be the ones that if they could do something together that really pushed them that would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, great, absolutely great question and it's uh, sorry it took us so long to get to that one, Neil. Um, but there you go. Uh, thank you for getting in touch with us again and thank you for your support. The next question is from Iceman. And he has said, when you recorded your top 10 lists, albums and songs, has your opinion altered since? Um, the first thing I want to say to that is that that is never, neither of those lists are really static. They're always sort of shifting around a little bit. I do have the lists here, although I don't want to really go back through them all because I'd rather push people who haven't heard them, you know, to go and listen to our top 10 episode. Mine hasn't shifted around. It's one. It's one of our most listened to episodes. Yeah, it's very popular, and that's why yeah. I, I kind of think that people should just go and listen to it as it is there. I think they are always shifting lists, even if it's just very, very subtle changes. So just looking back at this at the moment, it's, it's Act and Baby still my favorite album, um, not just of you two, but of all time. I think I was probably a little bit harsh on All You Can't Leave Behind, but it's still still not not particularly high there and i look back through the the, te- the top 10 songs 
and I don't think there are, I don't think there are ones that, that are, the only one I'm sort of shaking a little bit is my number 10 which was Zoo, Zoo Station and I just don't know if there's another song that I would probably include instead of Zoo Station um, like I don't know there's, there's, there's a few ones that are in there like, like I do really love the song Gone I love Please and they're, they're all kind of shifting around God, God Part 2 are you joking? Well, I think God Part 2 is great do you know? It's not a top 10 song for me. That's it's fun. good, like, and I like the fact that it's on. It's one of the better bits of Rattle and Hum, but it's, I don't know, it's a bit, it's a little bit theatrical for me, not as not as sort of real as the song, like, say, Please. Mm. Uh, it's interesting, because I was listening back to that, and we, we did, um, I think you called them the also-ran songs we, we considered and then, you know, cast yeah, aside before the Grand Beneath the Feet would be, would be one that I probably would replace Zoo, Zoo Station with now, but sorry, Tyler. Uh, no, it's just, um, and I, I was listening back to that and go, oh God, I didn't put that in my top ten. I didn't put that in my mm. top ten. Uh, so even looking back at it, I, I was surprised. And, and that is, uh, that was about three years ago, and that's the only time I've ever really considered to sit down and and really think about what my top ten, you know, would be. I suppose on that day, uh, but songs that um, that have popped up recently um, is uh, songs like sweetest thing I, I, for some reason i've just i've really really started to get into the sweetest thing mm, I, I like song. i love to, i love to sing along to it i want to see it live um i'm, I'm getting more annoyed because I, I think i'm probably not going to see it live now but it's um that for some reason that song is just really resonating resonating with me the more and more i, I listen to it i think it also leads us on to Iceman's second song which is which in your opinion is U2's most underrated song. And he says, personally, his pick is Ultraviolet, which a few years ago I would definitely have agreed with that. But because it's had a bit of a resurgence live and it was played quite a bit on, you know, 360 and Joshua Tree, I think that it's difficult to say that's one of the most underrated because obviously it's getting an airing every now and then, unlike before um, experience something like Acrobat, which would have been my, my choice then. My choice for that is, I was saying either Do You Feel Loved, which I've always thought was such a great song and they didn't have a good experience with it live and then shelved it and now it's just covered in dust and I love that song. The single cut of that is very good. The single cut of it? I've, yeah. I've not heard that. Was it? You've got the single, I assume. It, was it a single? Yeah. Are you sure? I'm I'm very sure this is pop we're talking about, mate. Yeah, which would be embarrassing if uh, if you've if you're wrong about it. Right, Phil. Oh, I'm just I'm, I'm looking it up now. Doesn't seem to be on here. I guess Tyler's gone and scampered off to go and get his um, to get something here. And I'm just looking at the singles. We've got Disc Attack. We've got Staring at the Sun. Last Night on Earth, please. Okay, you were right. Ha-ha! And you was right. I was thinking of if God will send his uh, will send his angels. Good song, but not. I don't enjoy it as much as do you feel feel love. Yeah, they they felt it was too heavy when it was released, and I didn't think they had a good good time with it in terms of in terms of playing it live. So that's a really underrated one. But also, but my my, my real answer for that is like a song that. Um, Oh, as far yes. as I can tell, it's been performed once in Dundee in 1983, and then just left. And it's such a high point for me. And it's just, where is it? You know, why, why is it? It's a difficult song to sing. It's a very energetic song to play, but it it, it does annoy me that. 
yeah, I would love, I would love to see that. Uh, but songs that I, having, I've already mentioned the sweetest thing. I think that that is really underrated mm. now. Um, but lemon, I don't think lemon gets enough. That's love. true, and that was in my top ten as well. I love lemon, and it should definitely, the lemon should be brought out again. The, the lemon shall ride. <laughs> lemon shall drive if we're in pop. Yeah. Um, so Steve Lester asks us a question next. Uh, um, I hope you've both changed your minds regarding All That You Can't Leave Behind. The album's a belter of an album. It's flipping, multi-gramming winning. So, yeah. Um, I I mean, I thought I came across really positive on All That You Can't Leave Behind because it is one of my, one of my more favourite albums. Um, Johnny did talk me down from declaring it a flipping album. I regretted that instantly. Uh, I, I have reversed that decision now, but we, we haven't gone back and edited the episode. Um, Johnny is a little, Johnny's a little less hot on the album. My, my, my thing comes down to this, essentially. All You Can't Leave Behind is a fantastic album by any stretch of the imagination. It's really, really good. And there's some very, very strong high points. The first half of it is up there with the best. And if all of it was like that, and it was paced out like that, and you moved a few tracks around, some of the very weak tracks that are on there, like Peace on Earth, then it would be in the same tier as Joshua Tree and Acton Baby. And that's the question that I want to ask. And it, and it, it, it is for me. It is in that well, tier well, that's, for me. That's, the, that's what it comes down to. And this is always going to be a, a subjective and personal thing, but I, I, if you're ranking U2 albums in this pathetic and time-wasting way that we, we U2 anoraks do, then... The top tier for me, Acton Baby and Joshua Tree, they're in their own little category at the top of absolute masterpieces. And I Can't Leave Behind does not enter that category. I just think it's not good enough. It so does. You're so wrong. It so does. It's positioning what it meant to the band, what it meant to the fans, uh, what it signified in the band's career, entering the new millennium. It is such a story. It's probably possibly got the best story of any U2 album. And then what it came to mean, uh, unfortunately, due to events uh, like like 9/11, but also providing a positivity and 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 maybe perhaps a guiding light to to some people through through a dark time. And 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 then even after that, all these years later, to still stand up as its own album. Um, it, it's it's a sunny day in in the career review too. Uh, yeah, I mean, and a beautiful day you could say. Yeah, and and also, I mean, we're, we're sort of replying to um, we're we're replying in a, in a sense to Jeff Morton here, who's um, who's also said the um, oh actually no, he's not he's not talking about that. We'll get on to Jeff later on. But he's he's kind of bringing up a similar era, but we'll get on to that later on. Um, I I just think as well, you've you've got to remember that that second half has got some great high points on it, but. It's just not as con- wild honey. No, no, wild honey is not one of the high points. Do you? Sh- I mean, I don't understand. It's such a joyful song. It's it's so happy and it's like campfirey. I, I don't understand why you don't like it's that because, at all. Look, it's, it's nice. It's happy, but it's it's not got the like what you want with one of those top tier albums like Joshua Tree or. Uh, oh, you're gonna tell me what I want, <laughs> are you? What one wants? Okay, what one wants with one of those albums? is you want a mixture of the incredibly exuberant and joyful, the I want to run, and you want the depth as well, stuff like Mothers Have Disappeared or Acrobat, and you want it to, you want the album to push in lots of different directions. And there's lots of epic on All You Can't Leave Behind, but then the the quality just isn't there for stuff like, and like Wild Honey's fine, but it's like a, 
you know, having a garden party, get out an acoustic guitar sort of thing. You think, oh, that's quite nice. Uh, bridge isn't very good, but you know, it's fine. And I just think there were songs that were hanging around that would have been better served. I, I would have actually, I know it's not era appropriate, but I, I would have preferred that version of um, North and South of the River to be on that. Mm. It, and it was the album that you that got you into U2 it's right? the very first album bought ever so it has a massively special place in my heart and again I don't want people to ever come across and think why does Johnny hate or oh, he can't leave behind I really really don't I just it's it means more to me emotionally than it is a good album on a on all those very very harsh criteria of what makes an absolute flipping album and it's you know it's it's maybe like C grade U2 but it's not A grade U2 I, I disagree wholeheartedly with that, but it's interesting that because we we came into you two around that time, so that means we've been into you two now for about twenty years, which is terrifying. Mm. But that's half of you two's career. Yeah. So no, no, when we you know we're, we're the younger fans and we we hadn't really been around that that much, but now when you think of that, we've we've actually been around for half of it. That's um, I'm uncomfortable with how far away that album is. Well, I, think. I mean, if that makes us feel old, then, you know, most, most diehard fans are a bit older than us as well. So we probably shouldn't keep reminding them about how time is marching on. Do you, do you think they've had an album since then, which has, which has acted as an introduction to you two? Because I think that that was a, that album is a great introduction to you two. I think that one would do, but I also think that bomb, it would be the same thing. I mean, think of how many people it went to number one so how many people would have got into it based on vertigo i knew i, I knew people who who got into it via vertigo and i mean think about going your boots but, that's but, going to get in loads of fans lots of new fans will be getting into them <laughs> because of that <laughs> we'll get to that um but i just i, I don't know if it, so if you were going to recommend an album to somebody would it be would it be all that you can't leave behind or would it be how to dismantle an atomic bomb? Entirely, I'm sorry to answer a question with like a kind of question or a a counter move. It depends on who it is. If if there's someone who is really into guitars or a particular style of rock, then it might be bomb. If it's someone who I know likes well-constructed pop songs um, or at least half half an album's worth of well-constructed pop songs, then I would give them all all you can't leave behind. I, I, I just it shocks me it shocks me um that I, I mean i know you, you you say you like it but that it just sounds like you have a bit of disdain for the album and that it's not that, it's, that it's not me. disdain it's just it's just not <laughs> god we're just gonna go around in bloody circles on this um all right okay let's move on let's move on yeah all right well uh, let's have a look at pulse beat at post-punk radio and Pulse Beach just sort of said a nice thing said i fully credit review two for turning me into a fan of the actung's europa OS1 era. Looking forward to discovering future plans for the podcast. Keep up the solid work. So cheers, Paul Speak. That's such a lovely thing to to say. And the idea that we've converted anyone to, you know, deepened or strengthened anyone's or broadened anyone's fandom of you, of you two is, is great. I'm... It's utterly terrifying, if I'm <laughs> honest. Um, but ni- nice to know that, you know, we've connected with, you know, like-minded people. Mm. Um and make you know maybe opened a few doors because like, there's a lot of doors that have been opened uh, for me, uh, th- uh, specifically through uh, through Tummel. Um, so uh, yeah, that's cool. I remember a, a couple of years ago, before uh, just before the Joshua Tree, uh, somebody contacted us and said that the only reason they'd bought a ticket to the to go and see the Joshua Tree was because of our podcast. And I think they hadn't been a fan of you two for a, a long time. 
uh, and then came back to them. And that, and I remember just thinking, that is, you know, I hope it's a good show. There's a bit of pressure on us now. I hope, I hope this person isn't, you know, doesn't feel like they're wasting the money. Um, so I always, um, I, I'm grateful that people agree with us, but it's also, uh, it's a big responsibility, I think. I also don't, I, I also just like the fact that, um, agreeing or disagreeing as we've, as we've seen there's lots of people who are very happy to disagree with us which is which is great i just like the interaction and just having those conversations and also just being pointed in the direction of lots of areas of the band that i'd not really thought about or even known about i think going into this if we if we knew now how if we knew wait if we knew then this is like this is like this is like <laughs> lord of the rings when bilbo you know he says he likes half as much as some of you as you deserve half as much as whatever <laughs> i am going to have to get out the review to time machine to understand right. this link i'll say i'll start again if we knew then how little we know now about you two in general then possibly i wouldn't have started the podcast because it, we sort of just went in wide-eyed going oh well look, we'll just talk about this we know about them because we like the lyrics and stuff but there are people out there with such a high encyclopedic yeah. level of, of knowledge and people who've also scoured you know hours and hours of bootlegs that we haven't really done we like the live stuff and we listen to it and if it's a good show we'll we'll have a look for it and a good version every now and then but we broadly sp- stick to the um we broadly stick to the official releases really so it is just nice to be yeah. to be around and in conversation with with people who obviously know so much yeah, but you know, it's been great. You know, as a as a learning curve, this this whole thing. Um, and I, I, are there any in particular songs or, or or or, and you know, anything through the career that you've discovered through review two, which you know, you can't believe you didn't know about that before. Well, million dollar hotel. That's one that I've <laughs> know a little <laughs> bit more about now. I mean, I'd watched it before, but I didn't. I didn't know that much about it. Spoilers. I, I one thing I was really happy about which I know a couple of people have said this online is just going back to passengers and and having to give it a proper listen um which I think when I first got it <laughs> when I first got it I hadn't really done that and it's just such a weird and interesting album and I I kind of hope that as they get into the the elder statesman and just a bit more less less pressure on them to have to do lots of touring which maybe because of covid will force them to go back into the studio in some way that they do something a bit more engaging and interesting that doesn't have to be with one eye on the charts. Like, who the hell cares about the charts or being relevant anymore? They should just be relevant to the, themselves, and that's it. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the the charts per se are important. It's how many people of a certain demographic are consuming something rather than you know the total yeah. number. Because that's what advertisers are, are interested in, and um, what TV shows and uh, radio stations, TV stations. That's what that's what they look look at. They look at demographics for for time slots, mm. um, not actually the total number of people watching. So I think, yeah, I think there is something to that. Well, speaking of things that we've discovered before or not discovered before. Uh, bring back darcy on twitter says sorry if you've covered this before but i've never heard you talk about collabs collaborations what are your guys favorites i came to you two through johnny cash read the wanderer love the show guys the banter is what keeps me listening um well thank you very much bring back darcy and i did look at the album 
duels for this. I did have a have a look at it. Presumably you have this title because it was too. Ah, uh, it was. Got it in front of me. Yeah, and it's something that I mean, some of these songs we have covered before, we've discussed, or they're just alternate versions of songs that we already talked about. Oh, Jagger's there. Wow, that made the cut. You can tell how how low the quality is in this uh, overall in this. Uh, do you want me to run through the the the, uh, the names on uh, this? Yeah, go on quickly. Band of Bowsies, Murray J. Blige, Johnny Cash, The Dubliners, Allen Ginsberg, Green Day, Mick Jagger, Jay Z, Keeler, BB King, Danny Lamoir, Willie Nelson, Sinead O'Connor, Passengers, Pavarotti, Rihanna, Sawata, Gospel Choir. Yeah, I I would consider doing this as an episode. Um, I'd need a copy of it because I don't have it. So maybe maybe you'd have to rip it for me, or I could just look on um, look on YouTube to look at some of these. Um, well. Uh, this brings me to a little bit of a story. I've been collecting U2 records since I was 13. I'm soon to turn 30. In all those years, I've never once put a drink near any of my records. And I've looked after my growing collection for a very, very long time. And then yesterday, I was carrying my lawnmower through my house. <laughs> um... And as as I turned round, I knocked over a drink that I must have left on my record cabinet, and some damage was done. Oh, and I, I feel very ashamed and quite and, and, and quite upset uh, that I've looked after these things for so long, and uh, and uh, n- now there's been some some injuries. So did you so... reach for jewels to mop up all the mess then? Because you thought, well, if there's any of them that I'm going to use, then well, that that was that was safe upstairs um, in 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 the in the CD drawer, and my records are normally downstairs. So yeah, I'm going to have to uh, see what dries out and see what doesn't, and uh, may have to recollect or, or or give up. I don't know at this point. I'm a bit heartbroken. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, but have you back to the question? Well, have you listened? <laughs> have you listened to this very much? The uh, um, Jules collaboration. I think CD. I did once. Yeah, it does. I think I ripped it to my computer a long time ago, and it it stayed there. And you know, a song would occasionally come on. It feels very much, very much like something that has been cobbled together when they've had it as an idea of what can we give, what can we just just scrape together as a subscriber gift. Well, we do have a few things. I mean, yeah, it was in the darker days of the subscriber gifts, certainly. Hardly anything on here is that new. Or, I mean, and some of it's just available very, very easily. Like the Wanderer was already mm. on Zeropa. When Love Comes to Town was already on um, Rattling Hum. It's also got the frankly awful version of One, which I think is probably the probably the worst reinterpretation of a of a beautiful song I've ever heard. I love the song One, and it, it's 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 like seeing. A cover band do it but purposefully hit the notes and the melodies wrong and then i i often ugh. i often find with with that song i i find myself asking who was it for um it wasn't for charity or anything was i was it? gonna say i think it might have been for charity i mean it, artistically i don't think it was for anything that that might be the only thing that would excuse it yeah and if it makes some some money that's 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 great but yeah uh but I mean, it's yeah. it's it's a it's a bad version, um, and I mean, I wouldn't be so, so. So, what collaborations do you like then? Obviously, the Wanderer, which, as Bring Back Darcy said, is it's one that I think either way, 
actually i went the opposite way to bring back darcy i got into johnny cash through you too through the wanderer and then that i mean that's interesting imagine getting uh, listening to the wanderer and then buying zeropa yeah that's that's a really weird way in and 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 also it's just, it's so sim- so weird because i bought um I think I I got maybe maybe the best of or maybe the uh, maybe Folsom Prison Blues um, the live one from Folsom Folsom Prison, and yeah. they are very very different worlds. But they when they meet, it's it's fantastic, and that's what a good collaboration should be really. There's a soulfulness about about the two of them. Yeah, yeah, and a very there's a depth there. I think which which to be honest, I think comes a lot from the fact that they're both religious, although obviously they have their own different relationships with with Christianity. There is someone here that are just um are just kind of meh really. I remember at the time being really excited about the U two Green Day collaboration and I, I mean I bought the singles to that and at the time I was very much into Green Day and playing I was playing their songs in, in the band that I was in. But it didn't it, it didn't play to either of their strengths. No, no. Um what about something like Substitute Two? <laughs> with with uh, with Chris Martin, yeah, and uh, the boss, yeah. Uh, well, I think at the time people I said like, it was. I a like one-off. to be able to watch that. I like to be able to watch that. I'm both glad it happened honest. and glad it's not going to happen again. <laughs> That's how I feel about that. But but being a a, a fan of of Coldplay, yeah. Um, and they're lucky. I still consider myself a fan at this point. Oh, but, I bet they're, I bet they're worried um, every day that you're not gonna you're gonna re, you know revoke your fandom. And look, I'm a fan of the boss. I'm a fan of uh, Chris Martin and Coldplay. Uh, I'm a fan of seeing Adam Adam Larry and Adam Adam Larry and uh, who's the other one? The Edge. The Edge. Uh, I forgot the most <laughs> important one. Ridiculous. Um, I'm a fan of seeing seeing those guys in unique situations sometimes they they thrive and uh sometimes they they don't and they look a bit embarrassed mm. um but uh the edge thrived when he played with muse at glastonbury yeah, played world street he did, so no really name. did um uh, so it's it's a that for me that substitute two thing is a really uh good documentation of of, of people i'm very interested in yeah and similarly to the way that um, Mick Jones and Paul Simonon from The Clash, as they've got older, they have very much gone into different musical avenues and collaborated with people, most most successfully probably with um, Gorillaz and Damon Albarn and all, all that kind of stuff. They've they've really not been sitting on the, you know, resting on the laurels and doing nothing, but they've just done different things. So what I would like is if, if you two does end up packing up shop and it, it doesn't, it, or if it changes into something different, to what it is now i'd like to see them all going off doing lots of different things and i think that would be engaging and interesting i saw a post on facebook the other day that, that had a a, a a more recent picture of peter rowan hmm. um and uh it, it said what if uh youtube uh bring out a new album this year called man and then that's it they call it a day and i kind of think it's a it's a nice idea but i i I think it's to uh, it would have to be an ideal world for that to be accepted I think and um also be a lot of pressure just... on it to be to be a, you know a very a great album and that I don't I don't think they're in the business of producing that sort of top tier album anymore well 
Um, they surprised me with the quality of Innocence. Yep, they surprised me with the quality of Innocence, and then put it back down again to where I expected it to be for Experience. <laughs> put it right back down. Well, Experience wasn't even out um, when we did our top tens. Would it be in your top ten? Experience? Yeah. No. Wait, top ten albums? Yeah. Um, I mean, they've only done 13, so it's... Well, 14 now, so it's not It's not that difficult, really. Um, it would... No, it's not as good as... It, it, it's not as good as all you can't leave behind, so therefore no. I, it might, it might get in my top ten. Maybe, maybe, maybe eventually one day um, we'll do another top ten just to see if there's any difference. God. Um, maybe, maybe. The next question is from Steve. And Steve says, congrats on your four-year anniversary. Thank you very much. From a long-time fan. Yes, Steve's been listening for a very long time. Had some lovely messages from the past. Uh, from the past? Well, I guess that's true. In the past from him. I think I sent you some questions recently on email. Look forward to future episodes. We replied with, hi, Steve. Always great to hear from you. Um, we'll have a pipe one day. We've still got the email and you're at the top of the list. Uh, something that is we've just clearly Can not you just done. you say I replied to that? Yeah, but I'm saying we. I replied to it. Well, all right, if we're splitting hers, then it was it was you. I I, I do a lot on Twitter. Uh, four years is far too long to <laughs> to spend with you. <laughs> well, the feelings mutual. Anyway, um, well, we said we said we managed to miss these questions last time. We we did one of these, so we said we prioritize him. So sorry, Steve. You've been like you. Like is he questioning our professionalism? What professionalism? Oh, okay. So the questions, the first question that he's got is, what was your first gig um, that we went to? And please tell us about it. So what was your first gig, Tyler? And bear in mind, we got, uh, we got three questions here. So uh, uh, first, my first ever gig was watching uh, Euro Band Three Screws Loose in St. Helens at the Citadel. <laughs> uh, really? My, yeah, my first professional gig about a month after that was in, uh, that was 2004. And it was watching Brian Adams. Pretty strong, yeah. Uh, particularly Three um, Screws Loose, my old band. Very cool punk band. Uh, yeah, uh, Brian Adams, my, my sister, told me afterwards that I just spent the whole night watching The Guitarist. Um, and it was it was great, you know, to finally be at a, a gig. And that was a pretty big gig. It was Manchester Arena. Um, it was a good one to, good one to go to. Um, occasionally, I'll dip back into Brian Adams, but not, not much these days. Although Run To You is still an amazing song. Yeah, that is a good song. That's one of the few that I would actually enjoy. My first gig was... It was a bit weird, this, actually, because it was a... It was a festival. It's called the Move Festival at the time. I think it's been... Subsequently, it's gone away as a thing. But there was a very, very long list of bands on there, considering it was a first gig. The headline has been Green Day, who we've mentioned before today. And I was really excited about going watching them. Very, very excited about that. But the thing is, so I mean, I guess if I wanted to be cool to a certain group of people, I'd say the first gig was Green Day, which is you know reasonably cool to people of our generation. However, there were obviously lots of bands supporting them. So technically, the first live artist that I ever saw live was Huberstank. <laughs> Do you remember Huberstank? <laughs> yeah. Oh, what was that one song they did? Crawling in the Dark. That's no, one. wasn't it a backwards video with a girl getting run over? Ah, or right. Not getting run yeah. Over? So it, that so. Crawling in the Dark is like the is the cool one, which I'd still say is a pretty pretty solid song. The other one is the Reason, which is the sort of ballad song. The Reason, yeah. And the Reason is you. Oh, 
you've just reminded me of something. I can't remember who it was. At some point in my life, a girl turned to me and and said, Huberstank are my favourite band. Wow. And I don't know if anyone else has ever said that. Well, I mean... It's, um, I, she might be unique. <laughs> very unique. Are they, still t- are they still together? Are they going now? Uh, if they are, then they'll be probably opening with um, Crawling in the Dark and then doing the reason twice for encores just to try and flesh <laughs> out things. Uh, yeah, sorry, Hooperstank, if you if you are still going or you, in, or you enjoy it. It was a good gig, to be honest. Um, that bill also included um, No Doubt and Gwen Stefani. It was very Bono-like. It was a bit like the US Festival because she climbed up the rigging um, far too high than regulations would have been permitting. She wasn't wearing a harness or anything like that. Well, she worked with Jimmy Iovine. Um uh, and I would love to do No Doubt on Tumble because there's, there's surprisingly a lot of crossover between you two and You, and you no say Doubt. this, but I think when pressed, the, the 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 main one was they worked with Jimmy Iovine. Well, he's, he's an interesting guy to talk about. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it's not... Because there's Bruce there as well. You know, he, he's worked with Bruce. I think he worked with um, John Lennon, actually. I think he was, like, you know, like uh, he started out working in you know, just brushing floors and stuff like that in studios in New York, mm. and uh, and John John Lennon was around, so he ended up like pressing buttons and things like that. Well, let's. Uh, um, but oh, there we go. Yeah. yeah um, so the next question is: What is the best gig you've been to, excluding U two gigs? Um, for me, off the uh, it, it would be Arcade Fire on the the last tour, the Everything Now tour. Uh, which borrowed heavily from uh, U2. Mm. Um, that That's one of the best gigs I've, I've ever been to. Um, Coldplay at the City Manchester Stadium uh, for the uh, Milo Zilotto? Uh, Milo Zilotto? Milo Zilotto Zy- Mil- tour? Awfully named Some- album. Something like that. Uh, that was great because the, the, they had the light-up wristbands and um, that was... Uh, it just felt absolutely electric in in the stadium that night. Um, there's, and uh, what I always say is my favourite gig is editors at the Apollo when I was about 18 I was right on the, the front mm. barrier and it, it just it, it felt like everything I needed to be alive at that time you know when music is your life and well, you're yeah, really into a band I was going to I was going to mention that I think the the difficulty with this is you start weighing up and thinking oh who are the, who are the biggest bands that I've seen or who are you know some of the most legendary but a gig is such a subjective thing and I remember when I first started getting into gigs, we would get and we would discuss this thing amongst our friendship group, this thing called gig feeling. Like, oh, have you got gig feeling yet? And it would literally be like a tingle down your spine when you would think yeah. about it. And this isn't on the way to the gig, although you would have it then, obviously, but this is like a week before. And for bands who weren't, who weren't even particularly big, like, oh, I'm going to watch an Alkaline Trio or A, have you got the gig feeling yet? Oh, yeah, I feel like, you know, getting all hyped up. And we would hype each other up. And that tingle down the spine, it doesn't, come around as much as it used to to be honest and it's very sad that so no. in terms of in terms of my absolute you know hype and me just being so full of oh my god I can't believe that that's that rock star right there in front of me playing songs and I'm seeing them and I'm on the front row or I'm close up to them I would say um first time I saw Queens of Stone Age that would be very very high up and this might surprise um people who listen and assume that my 
my my favorite bands are all like you too. I said Queens of Stone Age first time. That was that was when Songs for the Dead had been released and Nick Olivieri had not yet been kicked out of the band. So that was a very very exciting gig, pure adrenaline all the way through. And the first time I went to watch Ramstein on the Rise of Riser tour, that was also, and in terms of putting on a show, just absolutely phenomenal. Instant. Yeah, I've got to mention Iron Maiden. Uh, I thought from, that would be what your answer was. From a couple of years ago. Um, it, it's strange because I, I duck in and out of Iron Maiden. They were the, the first band I ever got into in, a, in, in what can only be described as a very big way. Mm. And um, going to see them a couple of years ago was so cathartic and so great and they're, they're still amazing and and it, I, I saw on the forums afterwards that 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 had been rated as one of the better gigs of you know recent years and it it was absolutely phenomenal um yeah uh, gigs like that i like i like things with was a big show um um what, like so, wwe yeah, they, they would be my favorites uh yeah i mean the the i mean this is i'm not going to go into it but the, there are there are some good uh, good shows that WWE do, because, <laughs> but I'm not going to go into that now. Because the big show would probably feature there. Oh yes, very good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm, so I wanted to make sure that the joke was registered by by someone at least. Right. Um, okay. So and uh, the third question: Who would you most like to see supporting you two on the next tour, and why? And let's just answer this question as if COVID isn't happening, and we're assuming that. Yeah. yeah let's just get rid of that. I'm also going to assume that this is a U2 non. Um, tributey type thing, you know what I mean? Like, because if the next thing yeah. they were going to do was Zoo TV, I think that does change the answer a little bit. Yeah. Um. I, I I'm going to go back to what we said on the Brink episode and say I'd love to see the Jezebel supporting them. I think that would be a fantastic band to support them. I think that would be a, a good a good shout. Mm. Um. But in recent years, they've actually polled fans on whether they would like a support act, and it's come back with a resounding no. And um, I, I agree with that as well. Go on. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, going to see you two is a festival in and of itself. Yeah. Um, I loved Noel Gallagher opening up for them in Twickenham. Mm. Um, he didn't overstay his welcome either. No, particularly at that time in 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 the UK and and what was going on and uh, the the resurgence of Sally can wait. Don't look back in anger. Um, it was it it was a, it really felt like a, a festival in in Twickenham and Noel did an hour before and that's the, be- the that's the most positive experience I've ever I've ever had with a support act. So, but ideally I I wouldn't have them I wouldn't have them. It's uh, it's a party feeling when you go watching you two and sometimes a, a support act can really mm. be a bit of a bit of a brick wall between the two of you. And much as I really did enjoy Elbow in Sheffield. It was a kind of okay. Let's let's get let's get on with it. Come on, let's let's have the main the main event. They were great. They played great songs. They got the crowd absolutely up for it, particularly with the anthemic songs that they had around at that time. I think um, one day like this was probably the biggest that it ever was at that time, and it hit really well. But yeah, yeah. Let's get let's get to let's get on with something else. So I guess who would you most like to see? Supporting you too? No one. Yeah, because I'm a firm believer. Like seeing you two on on not on on a stage that isn't their own, is um, it, it doesn't it doesn't always work. And I think that that's probably true of a lot of bands. They've got to be in their own environment. Yeah. So and imagine I, I've in... kind of gone off the idea of support acts, and we've all seen far too many rubbish support acts. Yes, we have. Um, and imagine being 
on a U2 stage on uh, how do you play as a support band on a stage that's so specific to them like the the innocence and experience and vice versa tours you'd just be looking up at that big screen thinking wish we could actually do something with that that would be fun but now the big boys yeah have got i it. always <clears throat> i find i always find the idea of uh, oasis supporting you two uh on pop uh, a, a pop mart a, a, a little bit funny because you, oasis kind of had this british um I suppose repression. You know, they didn't they didn't dress up. They they didn't go in for you know costumes or anything. I also think that was a up and they played. that was a class thing as well. I think I think they were trying to say yeah. Of course, it was this a is who we are. But them playing Pop Mart is that's a bit of a clash, really. Oh, the clash! The clash opening for you two. That'd be good. You two would open for the clash. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I, I wouldn't disagree with it. All right, so Jeff Morton, I mentioned him before. So he says, I don't disagree with the take you have on pop. I just think your perspective reflects coming to the album late. I think that's that's very true. The critical and commercial savaging you two took for pop gave us All You Can't Leave Behind in 2000. Without that period, we would never get them in the 2000s high watermark. I obviously don't think that is necessarily the high water park. Uh, water park? Oh my God. You two at the high water park. Adam just You're going... high at a water park? Just relaxing, very relaxing day, <laughs> floating around in little um, rubber rings and donuts. Bono splashing Larry, Larry looking annoyed. <laughs> Edge with a cap over his beanie. Bono is a little scamp, isn't he? Sure. Um, anyway, sorry, um, that's not the track from Jeff's question. I, I, I think it, 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 the, the great things about you two is that, I mean, any, anything they do is, is interesting. So Rattling Hum and Pop... Yes, they kind of went down like a lead balloon in certain areas, or at least that's the way it might be thought about. But it, that leads to Acton Baby, and that leads to All You Can't Leave Behind. Now, I prefer pop by a long stretch to All You Can't Leave Behind as an album and as a piece of art. But yeah, they yeah, they needed uh, the savaging to to make them change direction, and they certainly yeah. needed to change direction by then. Yeah, I think I think in a way I, I agree because I realised that. By that point in the nineties, you two had probably become a very um, they'd be, they'd become the thing they were trying to parody. Always happens. And yeah, and I, and I think they they became so experimental that it, they became a little bit self indulgent. And I see that, and I get it, and I knew, and I know that there is need for a drastic change of direction after that. Mm. But I also think that's why I like it. Yeah, and. I th- because it's it's rare to see a band as big as you two were by 1997 going all out. I mean, I bet people thought they completely lost it. The Pop Mart tour made almost no money. It made almost no sense to do at all, but they they did it, and I think that's a huge achievement and uh, n- not something you'll see many bands do. I, I think the days of that, for many reasons, COVID being one of them most immediately, but also just the environmental cost i think these days is too hard too much to bear really so i think that kind of thing is the days of those sorts of shows are are in the past i think it's probably good that it happened artistically speaking but it is very difficult to justify how much that would cost it's right to move on from that isn't it? yeah i think you've got to you've got to try and and then just use technology to to make things make things new in a different way how that works i don't know maybe we'll all have vr headsets (laughs) Well, they make me nauseous, so... Uh... Yeah, I'm, I'm just in the process of selling mine for that reason. Very very un- <laughs> unhappy that 20 minutes into Skyrim, I started to feel nauseous. 
Um, right, so uh, the next question then is, is it from Ian Walker? Yes, uh, yes, from Ian. Two questions. Uh, I don't think I've asked these before. One. Three questions. Oh. He, he, he also DM'd as well. Oh, right, brilliant. Okay, well, let's do the ones that are on here, then maybe you can find the DM one. Yeah. I don't think you've talked about the videos for the singles that much. Top three, any stinkers? His uh, his favourites are, I presume these are his favourites, not the stinkers. His favourites are New Year's Day, uh, Streets, and Sweetest Thing. I think the official vid for Blinding Lights is lazy. I, I, I'm I interested to have a look back at this at some point. So if I do the videos, I would like to do them properly, you know, really actually go into them in a bit more detail. There are two in particular which I'm going to mention in a minute, which I would love to do a deep dive on, uh, you know, maybe an episode each God, that's, for those videos. That's a, that's a long time for just a couple of videos. Um, I, I know, um, but the Love is Bigger video, I think is absolutely phenomenal. That's a great one. Yeah, very good. And it's nice to I, see you two moving with the times. In And I don't think this is a cynical thing either. I think that they are, they, I mean, they've always been champions, for example, of artists of different races to them that kind of thing so to have a have a video that is so inclusive but also is then reaching out to people of a variety of genders or no gender or whatever yeah i feel like i feel like you know the the green uh color of the animations is such a perfect choice um because it's almost taking humanity back to nature um I'm, I, I could really do a, a huge deep dive on that episode because I, I, I just love it so much. And then I've recently recently realized that it's got a sister video with Get Out of Your Own Way. Mm. Um, and I, I love the animation on that. And I and I would love to hear your opinion on the Get Out, Get Out of Your Own Way video. Have you listened back to that song since we did the review? <laughs> uh, yeah. I haven't. I just I find it. I actually. But when you watch it, when you watch this video, my God, you're you're gonna have so much to say. Okay, well maybe I think they've done some yeah. some good videos. My favourites, I think the ones that he mentions that Ian mentions here are phenomenal. They're all really good. Sweetest thing is one of my favourite ones to put on. You know, maybe after you've had a a drink or two, it's a nice one just because there's so much going on. It's always always a fun one to show non U two fans because they can appreciate that they've got a lighter side, and it's yeah, it's I, funny. I mean. I've been showing people Love Is Bigger, you know, just like just watch this video. I'm not like, the biggest fan of Love Is Bigger, mm. but th- that I think that video is phenomenal, and I, I've been showing people that. I just go, look at this. Yeah. Do you not think this is amazing? I, and um, yeah, I have a soft spot for um, anything that was around the early 2000s when my fandom was just really kicking off. It was very, it was very, um, very. Super Bowl stuck in a moment. The the video that got me into you two elevation as well. I I was really into Tomb Raider at that time, and just to see the world crossing over was was just ridiculous and funny. And I love the evil U two versus good U two thing. I think it's just really clever. Actually, it's not yeah, clever. It's just I've, funny. I've, I, I I recently uh, watched the video for Please. Great video. And that is that is great. Mm. Um, it's just, it's, it's, I think they they normally do videos right. I'm not a fan of lyric videos, and there's been so many in the last few years. They seem to be really on trend, and I I can't stand them. The only one that I actually ever liked was the yeah, yeah, good one. It's good. And good one. and again, that's a remix, and it's just I I like that you two will not just often not just stick to the studio record, and they'll do a, a video cut. Yeah. I think a lot of them are, are just kind of them walking around a bit. I'm, I'm I'm less of a fan of the videos where they're just sort of walking around, looking cool, and wearing sunglasses. Like the, I watched the walk on video um, 
for the first time about a month or so ago and remind me about well it. that's I the thing nothing really happens it. in it they just sort of walk around and say hello to people and it's it's nice it's like having a nice <laughs> holiday hello hello bono here it's just all your fashion hello all that you need it's a, it's a bit like hello <laughs> and it's like the one for the best thing they're just sort of just sort of like pissing about basically and it's 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 fine, but it's it, that to me is, is not a high watermark for a for a great video. Um, so maybe we'll maybe we'll have a think about what we could do with, with the videos. Maybe we'll we'll end up revisiting them because if we do them, I would like to you know talk about what the references are and how they've been directed and any interesting stories. I think just but thinking about it right now, favorite video off the top of my head would be the discotheque video, which is endlessly enjoyable. Yes, it is. Yeah, and hold me, throw me. I wish I just wish there'd been a camera on Larry the whole the whole time to catch his discomfort. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so maybe we'll do something with the videos um, because I think there is a lot to discuss and they've worked with a lot of different artists over the years. Mm. Um, I, I think we we just need to know how we'd formulate it. Yeah. So Ian also asked, would you rather have seen the band on the Zoo TV tour or in a small venue in Dublin in the early eighties? That's a really difficult question for me to answer because and i'll let you get your answer in in this in a sector because um it's my favorite album acton baby and obviously they were they were doing something that was so different so experimental and so entirely new and novel with zoo tv but then the small venue in dublin imagine i'd I'd love to just have the you know the smell of that place and and the rawness of what was going on there so I think it would be the the Dublin because because that's the one that we have least documented. So even though Acton Baby is my favourite, imagine how many interesting versions and how passionate everyone will be and how great the the audience would be. So what so what's your answer, Tyler? Uh, hands down, agree. Um, uh, yeah, because I, I remember I said I'd go to Red Rocks to uh, mm. <clears throat> on on the li- live season. Yeah, when we, when we had our magic magical tickets. tickets yes. And you chose Zoo TV, so it's 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 interesting for you to say that now. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I think it, that that I think most people would would choose that. We've seen the bigger shows. We might not have seen the one we wanted. Yeah. But we've seen the bigger shows, and to just go back right to the beginning, uh, what you two fan wouldn't wouldn't kill for that opportunity? Yeah. That's that's what I would do. The opportunity the opportunity is not available, so don't don't don't. Kill yeah, and also I've seen ZTV a million times, so it would I, I, it would be annoying because I would know what would be coming next. Was think about how unpredictable that early '80s show would be. Are we getting eleven o'clock TikTok? Yeah. You know, are we going to get a uh, boy girl? Are we going to get? Um, Is the edge going to punch Bono? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, how big will Adam's um, afro be? Oh, I wondered where you're going. That <laughs> we all know about <laughs> his other endowments, um, right? Yeah. Um, right. Have you got Ian's question? Question on there? two, then. Three. Uh, question three. Sorry, then. Um, do you think that Eno's contribution to the band was fundamental to what they became after the first three studio LPs, or do you disagree? Uh, Ian's asking us this because he thinks we've come down pretty heavy or anti Brian Eno uh, before now, uh, or have. some, uh, or maybe perhaps underestimate his contribution to the band. Um, um, I, I I've been very good about Brian Eno. I've I've said that he's a genius. You've said that he's a moron. I have said that he was a moron. Um, 
and 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 I, and I was I hate ever revealing jokes because I, I feel like the jokes are just standing. If you get it, you get it, and if you don't, you don't. Um, but if the if the joke didn't come across there, then I certainly um, it it was just to be I suppose a bit antagonistic towards Johnny. Brian Eno's had a fantastic impact on you two. I do think there are certain crimes with his involvement of the band. Um, the wanting surrender. to delete. Uh, well, wanting to delete streets for a start, um, moment of surrender. He's he's had good impacts and bad impacts, and Zuropa is fantastic. And I think we wouldn't have got anything anywhere near Zuropa without Brian Eno. Um, hmm. So I do respect him, and I and I certainly like his collaborations with you two a lot more than I like Roxy Music. Oh, we we, we tried the other day to. Uh to give each other some Roxy music tracks that we would actually enjoy. And we just came up so short. I'm sorry if any fans out there, but neither of us seem to be able to get what the deal is. No. Um, and and I'm, I'm also, uh, in in terms of the podcast, myself and Johnny will, will often try and uh, pick, pick sides that we probably exaggerate. And I am a big fan of um, Steve Lillywhite mm. and his contributions with the, with the band. So it, it's kind of natural for us to just take opposing sides on that. But yeah, it's the format, isn't it, as well? There's two of us, so naturally yeah. we usually end up taking different sides of the fence. I think I think you two have three um, three guys that they, they need in the studio as often as possible, and that's Brian Eno, Danny Lamoir, and uh, Steve Lillywhite. I think they do. They have done the best stuff with, with those three producers. Yeah, to me, if someone said, what producer do you want? producing the next year two album it'd be flood every every step of the way considering how how good acton baby and also um uh songs of faith and devotion is that's really in my wheelhouse of what what sort of sounds i want them to make Eno is fundamental to to the u2 story though absolutely fundamental so he you can't dismiss him because he's he's so important obviously to that as in one can't dismiss him and getting lost in in Brian is one of the few people whose textures and sonic landscapes, and I know it sounds pretentious, but I don't really care. They're one of the things that you can inhabit and get lost in and really, really enjoy and in a in a way that you can't with other songs that are just simple verse, chorus, verse, chorus. And this brings me to something, Johnny. Well, I listened to the eighty to nineties B sides episode, our our episode. Yep. And at the end of it, there is a five-minute track. Uh, did you put your own yeah, I, Brian Eno-esque track yeah. on the end of the episode? I told people about that as well. I said, if you want, I said I also dabble in trying to make that kind of music. And and in the three years since that episode went out, has anybody <laughs> said anything about it? Yeah, you know, you've you've touched on a, a, a somewhat of a sore spot here for me. Like, <laughs> the amount of effort that I've put in in certain aspects of this podcast. I know it doesn't sound perfect in other ways, but I really try with the stings. Um, or at least I did back in the day when I would do stings. I would tailor stings, as in the little bits of music you would hear between tracks of the album. I'd tailor those for each specific album, record them all, and do a very laborious <laughs> process of taking them off um, my ancient multi-tracker. Not once has someone said, do you know what, Johnny, you've got really good stings on there, and no one said that they really liked the re-recorded version of the of the theme tune that I did when we did Act and Baby to, you know, to show that difference. So, um... Yeah, I'd like some... Can I ask you a question, Johnny? What? Have you ever kissed a girl? <laughs> look, look, I deserve a little bit more recognition for that, actually. I was going to say, no, I'm... You do. You, you, I, I, all-heartedly, you've done a fantastic job. And there's a new um, 
uh, advert bed going out uh, in this episode, and I asked Johnny to do it, and he sent it to me over very quickly, and I just thought it was it was a, it was a really good track. It's it's um, a little take on the ground beneath her feet. Very and loose take. You. You really have. In fact, over the years, I have played people just the theme tune, or because um, it's great. And I, I like hearing the the music at the end, your little synthy thing. Well, oh, thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad there's one person in the in the. I I like it. <laughs> I you and you do you do wholeheartedly put a lot more effort into this podcast than I do. I'm very much the ideas man, and then you make it work. Mm. Um, so a bit of a Bono and Edge situation going on there. Well, th- um, thank you. I mean, but l- let me be the first to thank you. Thank you for all the things and and all the the music that we that we put out. Well, that's fine. That's fine. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad it is being appreciated. I'm sure there are some people who just subconsciously enjoy it as well. And you can feel free to thank me for the lighter moments in the podcast. You know, the 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 the, the moments of brevity. Moments of levity. I believe, I believe you mean brevity with the quick bits, which are definitely not your bits. <laughs> Um, right, I think we've got one more question. One more question, yeah, from uh, Justin Sims. Uh, this is another, another well, similar kind of question. You guys ripped apart No Line on the Horizon. Couldn't disagree more. It's a classic. I think Justin was actually motivated enough to leave us a review on iTunes mentioning this, so um, he, cl- he clearly feels strongly about this. Um, it's great. a classic. First three songs are three of their best ever. Many other great moments, including Fez, Breathe, and Unknown Caller. Have you listened to it since? Like it any better with time? So cheers for sending us that, Justin. Um, I did re-listen to both No Line on the Horizon and our review of it. One thing I want to make really clear or just put out there is Tyler and I disagreed pretty fundamentally on that on that podcast. I think it's half a great album and half a pretty, pretty rubbishy album. And the highs are high and the lows are low for me. Whereas I think Tyler hates it much more than I do. And I will still stand by what I said, which is that No Line on the Horizon, fantastic. Fairs, fantastic. Breathe, brilliant. Magnificent, brilliant. Lots and lots of occasions. Cedars of Lebanon, one of my favourite U2 closers on on an album. And there's such good stuff on there. It it makes the other stuff more annoying. And I will still stand by my opinion on Unknown Caller. (laughs) It's an absolute trash song. That, That should be forced quit and moved to trash. It's... Well, I, a stinker. I, I was listening yesterday. Yep. Uh, all, all the day before, and the, the unknown caller was where I started singing along. Because you had so the karaoke version on that they played live. No, it just that that was you know where it seemed to kick in, and you know my, I just subconsciously started singing along. Um, I, 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 every time I try to listen to it, I think, well, maybe I'm being a bit harsh on this, or maybe I'm being a bit harsh on that. I love that you two are the type of band that will go away, really, really dream it up, all up again, really be experimental and really try to create something new and different. I love them, love that they can do that. And therefore, I have to have a certain respect for No Line on the Horizon because it is that. In my opinion, it didn't work this time round. But I, 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 there is really a barrier between me and that album and I can't seem to get through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe it was just that I was in, you know, a, um, a period of my life that I wasn't enjoying that much. Maybe it's because it's too tied in with, you know, certain memories. I I don't know, but that's certainly the album, the U two album that I have the hardest time connecting with. Um, so yeah, I I want, and I, I've said this many times before. I want to like that album. I don't like not liking something that U two have done. Um, but for me, it's just not 
I just can't get it. I just can't get it. So there's no individual songs that you've gone back to and reevaluated since. I've really enjoyed uh, really enjoyed Magnificent in the past. Yeah. Um, and I I I I'm much more uh, forgiving of un- Unknown Call Call than you. <laughs> it's uh, absolute Fez, terrible. obviously. Fez is great. Uh, and and what what's the final track? The final track's pretty Cedars good. Cedars Lebanon. Yeah, it's a, bit, a, bit, a brilliant song. I, I think if they'd gone much more in that direction, then I would have I would have loved this. Um, but the I think I don't know I don't know what I'm being asked to buy into with that album. No, it's, it's a mess. It's a mess. It's three albums that yeah, are just I don't, all I don't know globbed together. How am I supposed to feel? Oh, go crazy tonight's great, and there's some great remixes. Yeah, I was going to say that. It's, it's a great song, Redanker. not that version of it though. No. Um, so yeah, I think I think we're a bit too. But I loved I love that people do like it. Yeah. I'm glad that it wasn't a complete. It would be a complete waste of an album if nobody liked it. It's a good job that some people do like it, and that makes me feel better. It's it's obviously just me. And I'm not going well, not just you, because I'm I agree with. I think we share some of the opinions on 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 that album, but. I love the fact that other people are getting joy out of the world. I mean, what kind of idiot would be like, well, I don't like it, therefore other people shouldn't like it. That just That's pathetic, and that's not even criticism. That's just people being a jerk or, or not. But mm. um, it's just something where there's just a massive disconnect, and I, I think it's just something where it goes back down to subjectivity and how you feel about something. I will never be massively enamoured of Moment of Surrender, even though for some people it's the absolute, you know, epitome of what you two do i will say though on just a general level i'd find it hard for someone to convince me that that moment of surrender isn't terribly placed on that album because you get so much forward momentum in my eyes from no line on the horizon nice pacey rocking song big expanse lovely and then magnificent quite simple in terms of its structure but a a classic song beautiful and then massive road bump uh, speed bump you know roadblock Moment of Surrender, so long. And I think they, because it was so unique that they'd not done a song like that, not arranged it, it hadn't come about like that. And Brian Eno was there saying, oh, it's the best thing ever. This is great. They thought it needs to be front and center. You know, this is going to be our one from that album. And it really ain't. And so our final question is from a friend of ours, um, our friend Gib. Uh, hello, Gib. He, he asks us... Saying hello like he's listening. He asks us in a very roundabout way, what has been our most embarrassing moment as a U2 fan? <laughs> I knew it would be something negative if it was coming from Gib. Uh, what, well, what's yours? Um, was it when you got um, Do You Feel Love Wrong before <laughs> when you thought it was a single when it wasn't, even though it's off your favourite album? N- no, no. Uh, possibly in um, in Manchester the first time we saw them. Like I was trying to do all these cool Bono hand movements, and I just think it was re- and really annoying to everybody around us. Uh, that was a pretty bad one. I must, I must um, say, as a because you are someone who who sings and has sung on stage before, and we've played lots of music together, including I don't know how many times we've we've messed around and covered a U two song, even if it's just you, I, and a and an acoustic guitar. Um, you are yeah. you've got. I don't know whether you've tried to do this, but you've inherited lots of bono's mannerisms particularly when you're wearing a leather jacket it is that sometimes like i'm watching a very a very low budget u2 or bono tribute act <laughs> um i have i don't try unless i'm like deliberately doing the the pot mart lunges or something like yeah. that i don't tr- i don't try to but yes i wear a leather jacket because of bono <laughs> um and i i've because i like that when look. you're getting your cuban you know, heels 
<laughs> well, me and Bono, I think, are the same height. I think we're the exact same height. So naturally, our bodies are pretty similar. Um, although he was in much better shape at my age. Um, so so I, I think there is, you know, just having the same body type will make you look similar and moves and move in a similar mm. way. Um, but I, I do think I do think I can I can mimic the Bono dance pretty pretty well because I've watched Slain and all the others so so many times. So so did other people say anything to you when you were when you were doing these? Oh, I've I've, I've I'm always getting the nickname Bono or you know some something like that. So yeah, pe- people do uh, do say it. And uh, if I try and have any kind of say in a political matter, and oh Bono's here, I'll always get that. So, mm. uh, but I don't I'm not embarrassed by that. No. What about you? What's your most embarrassing moment? I'm trying to think. There's not. There haven't been many. I've just thought of one from Dublin. Go on. So last year at the Welcome to the Northside Festival, um, you, you get talking to people that you know you meet on 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 Twitter and stuff like that, and oh, what do you do? I I, I do this. I do that. I run a fan club. Whatever. Um, and so somebody asked me uh, what, what I do, and I said, oh, I host a, a YouTube podcast called Review 2. And he went, oh, yeah, I listened to that once. <laughs> and I was like, oh, great. You know, and I just didn't know what to say, and I, and I felt a little little bit embarrassed. See, for me, the embarrassment um, there is, um, obviously it's fine if, if people don't, you know, listen once and then switch off. If I heard the first episode of us, I would have switched off and never never listened back to it. Um, yeah. But it's, I think it's... It, but just, I wouldn't say that to someone, you know, just from general social graces, I wouldn't tell I, d- I don't think he meant it in a rude way, but it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, that was, sad. that was a bit of a knife in the gut, really. Um, I, but yeah. On um, a similar note, I think there was a time when, because we did audio diaries of, of our, when we went to watch Twickenham and we interviewed loads of people and it was really sunny and people were really up for it. And you can hear us. We talked to loads more people than we've got on the actual episode because I obviously stitched together lots of different opinions. And we met people from Holland and different bits of the UK and people who'd flown in and you know people from South America. And it was really fun. I think yeah. we tried to do that when we went watching them in Manchester and we, we got a bit nervous about it. I don't know why. And and we asked someone and they just went like, no. I was like, oh, okay. We thought this might be a similar situation to Twickenham, which is weird because you know the north <laughs> yeah. is in stereotypical fashion is is supposedly a, a a place where people are more warm-hearted and happier to you know have a chat with you, but um, not on that occasion. No, I mean, and and that you know that's fine. Each episode has its own uh, identity. Yeah. with that, fair enough. Um, and who wants to be bothered at a gig? Fair enough. Yeah, but it, that's a question. Do you have a favorite episode of ours? Um, favorite episode. I, I do enjoy the. I, I enjoy ones where you get agitated and animated about stuff. I like ones where we disagree about something. So, I, so <laughs> I. I mean, if we had to do a best of, I would definitely put the "Get on Your Boots" review. That that was good. But I think it's all down to how did I feel going back to the album with the with the understanding that I would have to you know i'd listen to the album all the way through and it wouldn't just be a casual thing i'd have to formulate some sort of response to that so i, I enjoyed yeah. pop because i think going back to pop made me realize how much of a brilliant album it is and i think we did you know. I, I always enjoy going back to the live season yeah that was good i mean there's there's a, a lot and, of episodes. and acting baby is, is probably my I, I think we did the production on acting baby that was when we really 
we were still trying to be, you know, entertaining, I suppose. The production, the production <laughs> we did. Yeah. The production you did, yeah, you, you do it all, that's fine. That, that um, intro to I, that Acton Baby really episode, proud of Baby. that intro where we did a little parody on the Dreaming All Up Again sort of thing, it took so long to do. It's, it doesn't, you know, it sounds about, it's about 30 seconds worth of stuff, but to get it to sound anything like that whole meltdown from Rattle and Hum into the techno craziness or whatever of um, acting, maybe that took me a, a long time to do. So I'm, I'm glad that that was, uh, that was appreciated. I, I forgot we did that. Mm. Um, but yeah, there we I, go. I, I think um, just, to, just to go back, because I feel like I've not really properly answered Gibbs' question. There's not been one specific time when it's been embarrassing. You know, it's something that's incredibly embarrassing to me on a, on a personal level where it really, uh, you know, it's, 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 it made me stick out like a sore thumb or anything. But just all the time at university, when particularly early on in university, when you'd meet people and you'd be talking about music, there would just always be this moment when someone else would chip in and be like, oh, but who's your favourite band? And I'd say, you too, because I'm not going to lie and, and or anything. But people would literally laugh. They'd be like, well, that's ridiculous. People who probably <laughs> would have said, well, I'm really into the Fratellis at the moment. you know." So they weren't really cool. And so that's been a constant source of... I almost, I almost go into it expecting to have to apologise when I've had a conversation, particularly with someone who I know is much more a fan of the you know anointed acts of, of who are considered these are legendary these people are cool and these people are not it always stuns me how arbitrary that is um and that you... well you never need to apologize to me and you never need to apologize to our listeners for liking you too no 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 um much to, much to the contrary i'd like to give a huge shout out to all the people we've connected up with over the years um over over the past four years there's probably too many to mention yeah. uh many of who, who have you know contacted us for today and uh, which is happy fourth anniversary or happy fourth birthday, um, and yeah, it's it's crazy that it's gone on this long. Yeah, <laughs> we think that too. Yeah, I mean, um, and have you got anything else to add then t- today, no, Johnny? I think you summed it up really in terms of uh, you know just a heartfelt thanks to to people um, wherever you're listening, whoever's with you. You know, it's all it's all good. It's really nice to it's really nice to have. Um, that connection with people around the globe and as I said it does it always feels like a, a very personal thing a podcast P- people can be walking using headphones on car journeys or truck journeys for a long long amount of times and there's been lo- on, on the, the bus. bus yeah on the train down a canal boat if um if people I- I'm always really happy when I see oh this or that person has uploaded a new podcast, so there's something I, t- I can listen to. Because I listen to podcasts all the time. I'm absolutely addicted to them. So just to see someone that I like bring out a new one, that feeling of, oh, that's that's nice. I've got something to listen to now. It's, it's fantastic. And that's just something that it's nice to also be on the other end of that and to know that people are listening and in some way appreciating. So cheers, everyone. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's been a great... Uh great uh, project and um, we'll keep on doing it as long as you keep on enjoying it Uh, so that's a little deal between us I suppose Uh, but thank you very much for joining us Um, I'm going to go and try and enjoy what was a sunny day when we started what about you Johnny? Um, I'm going to have a very boring day of garden work and looking after Review 2 Dog Uh, his name is not Review 2 Dog his name is Bunsen (laughs) as in Burner, and he's a very happy little dog. And I don't know, maybe we'll do some shameless marketing pictures of him 
with like a review two mug next to him or something. Because I mean, oh, I'm 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 planning on yeah, it. He's very he's very very cute at the moment before he turns into an, uh, a fully grown adult. Uh, our next episode will be the Million Dollar Hotel. Um, you won't have to wait too long for no. that. And uh, after that, we'll, there will be more review two coming to you very soon. Uh, as we try and join in with the hashtag U244celebrations. Once again, thank you very much for joining us and listening. We will see you again. For now, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Review 2, the U2 podcast. If you'd like to get in contact or for more information, please follow us on Twitter at REV underscore U2 or on Facebook.com forward slash REV U2 For those rebel type guys, why not email us at review2contact at gmail.com. Review 2 was presented by Johnny and Tyler. <laughs>